Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey cuties, I'm Miles Sexton, a content creator, activist, and loud and proud disruptor of the norm. On Our Private Bits, we talk about the things and people that don't get talked about enough, or at all. Trust me, as a sober, HIV-positive, non-binary person, I would know. Join me as I chat with people in my life and from around the world whose stories deserve to be heard. Maybe you'll learn something new, and you will definitely LOL. Our Private Bits is also part of the ACAST Creator Network. All right, cuties. Today on Our Private Bits, we have Jasmine Carter, and that's Jasmine with a Z, not an S. I don't want to get getting it mixed up. <laughs> Joining us, who is a trans model, ballroom star, host mother, and one of the newest Sex Fluent squad members. Want to say hi, Jasmine? Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy that we get to do this episode together because I was just like enamored first by your beauty the first time You're we so met. Sweet. And then I'm like, oh my God, this person is also just like, so incredible, has an incredible journey, has been on an incredible journey, is so smart, and is just like so passionate about so many things that I am Aww. also so passionate about. So I can't wait to dive into it with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. I wish you guys could all be here because the room is just gorgeous. The vibe is gorgeous. It's uh, warm, it's welcoming. Okay. And it's Transgender Awareness Week, it which is. is like the best. Perfect timing. Perfect timing, yeah. <laughs> to record this. So I guess for viewers who don't know you, I would love if you could maybe just share like a little bit of like what your journey has sort of been, especially when it comes to your transition. Yeah, totally. So I feel like my transition's a bit more unconventional. So I like to tell this story because I don't have the same story where like, you know, I felt really innately at a young age that Mm. I knew I was trans. Like I really came to the conclusion when I was 18. So I got a really privileged um, upbringing in the sense that like I was already really tiny framed. Like I, mm-hmm. I privilege in the sense like I already fit like the female mold pretty seamlessly where like tiny frame, long hair, um, you know, feminine features in the mm-hmm. face. So like I was already able to like, when I was playing with makeup and hair and my version of drag, which wasn't like drag queen, but more like a hyper realism version of yes. drag where it was just more gender bending back mm-hmm. and forth. I was totally comfortable being a boy mm-hmm. that like gender bent and yes. went back and forth and that was androgynous and that was non-binary. Like the, I loved the in-between. Um, and it was really only until I was like 18, 19 where like the male puberty was like finalizing okay, or like going into the next phase where yes. like I was growing a beard and I was growing a bit more muscle definition. And I was really looking into the mirror thinking like, okay, this is no, this is not where I want it to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel more confident, more authentic when I look in the mirror and I am on the spectrum of more hyper feminine or womanhood. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I made the decision, like, okay, I want to transition. I would like to get on HRT. I did try to freeze my sperm. It was really expensive. I was like, it's just not going to happen. It's not for me. Um, And then, yeah, so I've been transitioning almost three years, medically, emotionally, physically, (laughs) with my friends. Um, And it's been, like, I don't regret it at all. It's been the best journey. I do, my only slight regret is I wish I found more beauty in the in-between when I was there. And that sort of like fluidness that I have because I think it's such a magical gift that like we're gifted as queer people that Mm -hmm. like not everybody in the world gets the opportunity to do that. It's so true. And it's so powerful. And like we feel so othered and outside and like we don't fit in. And I tried so hard to fit in. And it was like that is truly a gift. Like I wish I valued it more. Do you think that you can like discover or like re kind of like flow into that fluidity now? Like now that you were sort of like in this phase of your transition? I think. Because of, 
like as queer people, like we don't get to date in high school. Yeah. Right. Totally. So like I'm so I'm, and this is just me being honest. At my age, at this point in time, I am so infatuated with boys and yeah. with dating that I I place I do play super heavy into the hyper femininity role. So I don't know if I could do it right now, but I think as I get older. I would def. I want to drop some of it because I it does. I just I do feel like it gets a little bit toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, like, I, you can only keep up the hyperfeminine act for so long. Like, I have one day a week where I dike it out. I don't know if I could say yeah. that here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, where I drop everything. Like, I really step into my masculine. I don't want to be perceived. I don't want to be sexualized. And like, I just want to go outside, like hair in a bun, like Love it. a bit more masculine, dominating. Like those stuff. That balance is still important to me for sure. Totally. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think the person that you eventually hopefully are going to be with, you know, I think they have to, you would want them to love both parts. All like of all of their parts yeah, of yourself, yeah. you know, exactly. not just like the hyper femininity. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, totally. Yeah. And, and, and I think it, you know, it, it comes and flows. Right. I think it's like, you know, when I, when I look back, you know, on my journey, I think there's like, there's moments where like, you know, I was like so into my femininity and then like, I kind of like then went over to my masculinity and it's mm-hmm. like, I just think as we evolve as people, like we shouldn't feel that we like have to stay within like Agreed. one category, regardless of how we identify, you know, I think it's okay totally. to like flow between our masculinity and our femininity. And that's like the beauty of being human. Agreed. And I think that is like applicable for cis people. Like totally, everybody has both in them. And so it's really like, I think, if we get to place in society where everyone feels comfortable enough to be fluid in that, yes. be so much more like just less toxic and less trying to appease to somebody's gaze or to somebody's totally. just like what they expect of you. It's like you could be, if you're a cis man, you could be a little bit feminine. You can like tap into that and like let it flow. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, so just to go back like a little bit on, on your journey and your story. So you started um, HRT, HRTs. HRT. HRT. Yeah. Uh, how old were you when you? 18. 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and like, did you, did you notice, like, did they, did it, like, what was like the first thing, I guess, maybe like you noticed when you started your hormone replacement therapy? So I started, so my doctor wanted me to start the testosterone blockers first. Yes. Okay. So I testosterone blockers with no estrogen. So okay. it was kind of like removing something without mm-hmm. adding it. So I was like really tired. Um, yeah, it was mostly just really tired. And then I was like, we did that, I think, for a month. We did it just to make sure there's no side effects. Yes. Did that for a month. And then we added an estrogen. And now estrogen, <laughs> sister, that is the that's a real <laughs> deal, okay? Estrogen is no joke. Um, that's when I was, like, super... I mean, it's, it's exactly what you hear. You're super emotional. Yes. Um, like, there's obviously physical changes that you start going through. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing that people miss the mark on talking on when it comes to HRT is the mental transition you go through. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really after I'd say the course of like three months, like you really start to, I don't know how to explain this, but you think like a girl and it's like your Mm -hmm. brain changes. And I, I think some of it is based off of sex because you're no longer thinking. I don't know how much I can say about this without being too explicit. Oh no, we're, we talk about everything here. Okay. So you go from like thinking like a teenage boy where you're like thinking with your penis, right? And like, it's not that sex is your motivating force, but that's kind of your driving force. Like it almost navigates your world because you're just, there's so much testosterone in you. You can't help but think about it and whatever. And like, so you take that out and now you're replacing with estrogen. Like the world, you just perceive the world differently. And Mm. those things that you maybe not necessarily valued, but like you chased after or you looked for like, they don't uphold the same weight that they used to. And like, I think that was like a really big, like, like almost like a pose not clarity, but forever yeah. moment for me. Do you feel like when you had that shift, is that when you felt like you were like fully in, you know, like your trans like woman identity? Like, was that the moment that where you really felt the shift was like the mental part of it versus the physical? I think so. I think, honestly, I don't think I felt that shift until like maybe like six months ago where I really Mm -hmm. felt like solidified in my, like where I am with my transition. What what do you think solidified it? I think like I've been doing it for so long. I feel like I have a really good grasp on my transition. Like I don't feel like I'm chasing a result or I'm chasing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I'm waiting. Like when I first started, I was like, oh, I can't wait to be a year on HRT and Mm -hmm. have like, you know, breast growth or like to, to see the changes happen and stuff. Like I'm not no longer waiting for things I feel like now I'm just like living in the moment totally because I think yeah I think a lot of it can be like these little like micro triggers or like you know like kind of like things of like you know when when you're like you know evolving out of your old self right a hundred percent and like learning to wear a bra and like all of that stuff like I feel so much more like full about it Mm -hmm. yeah I love that Mm -hmm. now I feel like something that's like a huge part of 
what you do is is definitely like the the ball scene and Mm -hmm. I think maybe first like can you explain to listeners what like voguing or the ball scene sort of is and then I and then I'm gonna ask my my follow-up question to that (laughs) totally um so ballroom is an underground queer lgbtq bipoc scene um that sort of was dated back in the 1980s during the hiv aids epidemic it was kind of a space where specifically trans black and latinx folks would go to find a safe haven Mm -hmm because they were being so exiled from just like hetero society, especially during the HIV epidemic or the height of it, I should say. Um, and so it's really deeply rooted in culture. And a lot of the stuff uh, and norms that we've had in the 1980s carried forward quite mm-hmm. literally till today. Um, so there's different categories. Uh, there's stuff like performance, which you guys know as voguing. There's face, there's realness, there's bizarre. Um, and then there's different houses. So a house is essentially like the team. Um, and then there's kids in the house and parents in the house that, you know, raise these kids to compete in these categories. And so while, yes, it's competition-based, there's an overlining um, bigger idea that, like, this keeps kids off of the streets and it teaches kids to come and get better every time that they walk mm-hmm. up for a category. It teaches chosen family. It teaches to be determined. It teaches to be passionate. And so... Those are all of the bigger, grander things about ballroom that I really love. Oh, I love it. And I highly recommend, you know, mm-hmm. you dive into it. It's like bananas to see how mainstream like ballroom has now becoming oh with God. like the so TV mainstream. shows. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's really cool to see, you know, it, it really like growing in popularity because I think that it has such positive impacts, I think, on people. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So how has like the ballroom scene, I guess, like impacted you and your life and your journey? Yeah. I mean... I got into ballroom at 18. So yeah. like really pivotal times, especially just at the start of my transition. And I was struggling to find representation as a trans woman of color in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the biggest like clicks for me was that like I could see people like me, but then also I was surrounded by so many amazing trans women yes. that were older than me and that could offer me advice and that could give me guidance, which I think is again, a huge privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found my gay mother, which is a slightly different than a ballroom mother. Um, a gay mother kind of comes in and in your life in a bit more of a personal way. Mm -hmm. And so she's there to guide you, not just on the ballroom floor, but in your personal life and any focused goals that you have. And so I told her like, hey, I want to do this. I also want to be a model. And I was able to kind of use her and ballroom as a platform to just like, like spearhead it and just run through ballroom and like using what I learned on stage to then go on set and Mm -hmm. using the confidence I learned there to go into rooms and audition and interview. And so like, it was really cross-linked to like, just making me Jasmine Carter. Like I think yeah. I was Jasmine Carter in ballroom as like a, a figure and then I actually became her, which was yeah. really wild. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Did you learn anything else about yourself like through through the ballroom? I think one of the biggest things I'm learning now is that before it was a character and now that yeah. I am her. So it's now I actually have to unlearn a lot of things oh, interesting. to reintroduce like the human side of me. And what, to, what like, are you unlearning? <laughs> well, like I, I, I spent so much time curating this image and this brand yes. because it was something I would put on, right? Totally. Especially before I even transitioned, like I was, a, I called myself a drag queen. So like yeah. this was this persona versus now people just know me as that, like it doesn't come off. So yes. like now I have to unlearn like, I need to have real conversations with people. Totally. And like, I, I don't know if you get in this habit when we go to like PR events or stuff, but you're like, you're taught so often to network. Yes. And now I want to learn how to just have real conversations with totally. people and real moments with people. Agreed. I think it's like, you know, I think you reach a point in your life where it's like the surface is, it's just, it's not enough anymore. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like, you want to go deeper than that and have like genuine connection with people, totally. you know? And, and I think it comes to you with like, with age and how comfortable and confident you feel within yourself. Right. Because I think, I think vulnerability is still something that I think people, it takes a lot of courage for people to just like have conversations, which I I think seems so bizarre, you know, we're not like writing letters and sending them by pigeons anymore. (laughs) Like talking about, you know, our lives. Right. It's like, we've sort of gone the opposite of like recluse in many ways so yeah yeah. I'm learning vulnerability that's what I'm learning I love it I love it do you have like a do you have like a a favorite memory from like one of one of the like ballrooms that you've done that like you'll never forget a favorite memory from a ball I've done um for a good story (laughs) I'm trying to think I do have so many of them so many are coming in at once I think Actually, one this weekend okay. just happened. Cool. Um, so I'm the mother of the House of Dior. Um, it was just our, it was our house premiere, mm-hmm. um, which was really exciting and really big. And I have a daughter 
She looks ex- Miles. I kid you not. She looks exactly like me. It's, no, <laughs> I love that. Like it's it's <laughs> really freaky. Yeah, yeah, no, seriously, it's really freaky. Um, and she debuted. She walked her first. This was her first time walking a ball. I did her makeup. I did her hair, and it made me really like emotional and somber because I remember the first night I walked ball mm. and the life that I got and people coming up to me. And at the time, I was Tamar's daughter, and she was like, "Oh my God, you're gonna be a problem. You're so great. You're so beautiful." And like I felt so seen and loved, mm-hmm. and I got to give that to her. And I like. My daughter's really shy. She's not really, she doesn't want to model. Like that's not her vibe. But yes. after seeing herself in glam and hair and the outfit and the life that she got, like I watched her walk across that room and just command it. And she was so excited and she felt so confident and so hot. And like, it just made me feel so full circle to give that to her. And like, that was a moment I'll cherish forever. And I, and I think it's like, to your point, it's, it's such a like, having those sort of moments are so important because I think, when you feel othered for such a huge part of your life or you don't feel beautiful, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and when you can be in sort of these like scenario, like in sort of these situations where you can be celebrated and you're with like a, in a safe space and you're mm-hmm. with a group of people who want to celebrate you, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I just think that, that that's so like, it's so powerful, you know? Like I'll never forget when I moved, you know, I was 18, I moved to Toronto. Yeah. And I started like, ho- like kind of hosting these like costume parties. Yeah. And, you know, like I would like, spent all my money like on my costume yeah, yeah, once yeah. a month you know yeah. like I would like literally be eating like peanut butter and like white bread for like that's yeah. all I could afford to eat because I like, spent all my money on my costumes but you know but then I would like show up at, at this party and like you know I would maybe be a part of the show or whatever and it yeah. was just like I never it was like the first time you know as like an 18 19 year old that I experienced like feeling beautiful and yeah. it's like it's such a transformative thing because I think it like it just allowed me to like look so much deeper, I think within myself and learn how to love myself because, totally. it, you know, I think it's really hard to sort of get there in the beginning. So hundred percent. And it's like, where else do we go to get that validation? And almost like, yeah. just like to feel seen in your most authentic form. Like, I feel like it's so hard. Totally. It's so interesting hearing you say that. Cause I only know, like I've been following you for years. Yeah. And so like everything I know of you and I'm sure everybody else as well, it's like, you're so fabulous all the way around. So like to hear <laughs> The back end that like you were eating peanut butter and jelly, like that's crazy. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you know, it's it's been a journey. Like, you know, like I when I moved to Toronto, I like I was supposed to move here for a job. Mm-hmm. And then I came here and they didn't end up giving me the job. Where are you from? I'm from Nova Scotia originally. Oh, so okay, I'm okay. like from like a tiny little farming town. Oh my out goodness. There, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, so it's so funny, like to then like come come to the city and like, you know, and then I was supposed to have this job and then I like had no work. And I'm like, oh yeah. my God, I have $400 in my bank account. Like, how am I going to survive? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, thank goodness the village existed. And I met like people in there who like, you know, they were like paying me to flyers. So I would like yeah, stand yeah. outside of like clubs at night handing no out flyers way. and like, you know, trying to do whatever I could to sort of survive, I yeah, guess, yeah. like in the beginning of it. But, you know, it, it, I think we we all go on, you know, sort of these these journeys of like but I coming love those into stories. our fairness, right? I love it. Like yeah. you made something out of nothing and like. Totally. You went to like where you thought you could, like where you knew you could be safe and like made it work. Yeah, exactly. I, I love describing Toronto as like a blank canvas and like, you I know. would kill to be in Toronto's gay scene back then though. Cause I like know. there was like flash and there was totally. so much, like, it was just, it whole, was so different. You know, so like different. we actually had like a club kids scene I then, know. you know, and like I, you know, I was such a bar star club kid, you know, at the yeah, time, yeah, yeah. but I like loved it, you know, cause it's like, it felt like a little mini New York, I think I like know. at the time. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I miss that. Social media kind of took that away yeah. a lot. You know, like people were like, Oh, it's easier. I can just, dress up at my house and take yeah, pictures yeah, yeah, and put yeah. on social media like, but it was like people went out and danced and yeah. people and like and not people would go to the gay village for like and like not like straight people would go because they knew it was going to be fun and exciting yeah. and electric like there was a different time like it wasn't it was yeah I just totally agree totally now I'm, I'm curious though like did you ever feel othered within our community like especially you know going from you know your fluidity to then into your like you know your transness like did you find it hard to like find your place within our community? Yeah, I felt it. I found it really hard. Like I tried my very best to like tap into each niche group in Mm. our community. And like, I just didn't resonate with the village. Like I just would go to uh, cruising tangos and Mm. like, it was, it was drag queens. But again, like the type of drag that I was doing wasn't really like a performative drag. It was teetered so into gender bending. And then there was also like a takeover of like, just white girls who are like really obsessed with drag race, like yes. constantly at now totally. at um in just in the village, right? Like <laughs> bridesmaids. And it's not to say that they can't go. I'm just saying no. that like it was really hard to it's find. Yeah. 
And then I was looking for more like people of color that mm-hmm. were also experiencing like gender identity or sexual orientation, you know, discoveries and stuff. And so that was a bit tricky at first. But now, like now, obviously, like I think I've really tapped into it. Yeah. How did you navigate that though? Like how, yeah. How I just, I, I, I honestly think I just got lucky. I had two friends who were like, oh, we got invited to a ball. Like, mm-hmm. I think you should come with us. And that was like, the rest was history. And I just like stuck in that community. Yeah. Especially because ballroom at the time was so underground and was so protective. Like all of it's on Facebook. Yes. So like, imagine being like 18 of this generation yeah. and being like, how do you use a Facebook? Like, yeah. what is that? Totally. And so, yeah. And I, I just think that now I spend a lot of my time, like if I do see somebody that looks like me or is it might be going through the same thing. It's like, he, like, I just let them know, like, reach out to me. Like, let me know. Let me be this person that you can pivot to mm-hmm. if you need, you know, if you're looking for more folks of community and stuff like that. Oh, I love it. I think it's important because I think that there's like, there's like this weird idea that I think like, you know, even within like our, our smaller communities within our community, yeah. you know, like it's like there's like this sense of like competition and like there's like this sense of like survival and like that there's totally. only going to be like one thing for one person totally. and that's it, you know? Totally. And it's like, I really don't believe in that. And I think it's like the sooner we like start all lifting each other up, like totally. the more abundance that sort of comes Agreed. from that, you know, but I, it's really like unfortunate that I think a lot of this sort of toxic kind of like self preservation kind of like exists you know within the community so and like now I go to the village and they're like I mean again privilege but like yeah because I passed they're like why are you here and I'm like well I'm like well girl like little do you know like it's so it's it now I have even a harder time finding like I I do want to go there and be around you know like our peers and our community and stuff but now I find it even harder in a different way totally agreed I think it's like I can see why I think the ballroom scene would be like way safer than mm-hmm. like, you know, like gay clubs mm-hmm. and stuff because it's still like, you know, they're, I, I mean, I even find it frustrating. I just like stopped going, you know? Yeah, because, because now there's like a mold of like slightly controversial. No. <laughs> now there's a mold of like, like the white twink takeover is like totally. real. And 100%. like, God forbid you teeter on androgyny or gender bending. They yeah. look at you like a freak of nature and it's just like, like 20 years ago before y'all were running around in a crop top and stuff like it was people like you like me who were like really pioneering this so that like people would let us have these spaces to come and dance like i wouldn't like sometimes they wouldn't let me into spaces because i was too feminine yeah and to me it's like it's the mold of that is so silly to me totally because it's like i don't know it's just so stupid no it it absolutely is and i think it's like it goes to the importance of like learning your history and you know i think you know i I also was like 18 and super naive and like was like you know i'm the fucking shit and you know i didn't give a shit about like where you know the privilege that i have and like the life that that i have is like you know thanks to like so many people who have died and come before me you know and it's like but it's like i i really like I, I feel like I, I'm like I've turned into like the eye roll of like my of my youth because I, I, I'm like constantly talking about that now. It's like yeah. you need to learn about like where why you have the privileges that you have, 100%. you know, like it's just like I, I find it so frustrating sometimes or, you know, it's like hilarious because like, you know, sometimes I'll go into spaces where people don't really know who I am anymore. And I find it like so interesting, you know, like when I walk into like Fashion Art Toronto or see like, you know, the sea of people, you know, uh, like trans and non-binary and, you know, men all walking in heels on that runway. And I was like, that didn't like I had to break that mold you uh, yeah you know? little, and you watch the evolution change totally you yeah. know like I remember going for the first time and that like being the first person to do that yeah. at the casting and then you know then the next season like a few more people showed yeah, up yeah, you know yeah, and it's yeah. like it's just like totally. you know and, and so it's I just I don't know I, I get like a little giggle out of it when people are like who are you and I'm like oh my god this thing I walked <laughs> yeah. so you can yeah. run yeah, yeah yeah no I get it trust it me it makes me laugh but you know it's I guess it's like the natural evolution of, of it is of yeah. you know like our spaces right and just like yeah. how how quickly you can like fall out of it right oh trust so. me I'm like yeah it, it amazes me and it scares me a lot at the same time totally because it, it's, it's like also like it's a bit of an addiction I think oh 100% because like it's like a high right like when you're in you know whether it's like you're in a ball or you're like showing up at a club serving a look you know like it's like the attention that you get it's like what I feel like musicians must experience when they like perform for people you know it's like you it it is it it becomes addictive but like you know 
I think for both of us, like you reach a point where it's like, okay, I need to also like focus on my career. Yeah, and, like, yeah, can yeah. I keep investing my like time and money into yeah, this yeah. if it's not like actually like gonna make me hundred <laughs> percent? So, <laughs> luckily, one of the things my gay mom taught me, she was yeah. like, "There will be another Jasmine." Like, yeah. I she's like she's shopping this right at eighteen. She's like, "This will not end with you. That you're not the last one. Mm-hmm. There will be another beautiful brown trans girl." And I'm thinking like, "Where the hell are we gonna find another one? Like, yeah. there's no way." And then I found my daughter, and I, and I really contextualized like, "Okay, like this is." It's not about being the fabulous in the room. It's about totally. teaching the next generation so that they yes. can carry this legacy because exactly. inevitably I will get older. I will age out of the game. Like, totally. he, like you know what I mean? Like I won't fit that mold anymore or whatever. And so it's like, how do I give the same amount of life that I got mm. to the next person and just enjoyed it while I have it, but teach somebody else to like perfect it even more. Oh my God. Such good advice. <laughs> so try. I love it. Why do you think that there is like, especially in Toronto, there is a lot of like, guess like inequality or not inequalities but like there isn't a lot of representation I think for I think like trans like women of color and mm-hmm. you know within especially within like our, our scenes I don't know it's a good question I think we're just like societies of really slowly evolving mm-hmm. um slower that and slower than a rate than we obviously want it to and so like I think it starts Kind of, it's like, I view it in the same way, like, we did with, like, the acceptance of, like, gay men, where, like, it started more, like, with white gay men, and mm-hmm. then it progressed into yes. black gay men, so I view it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. And that stands. Um, I don't know. And I, I, I lo- there's a model called Alex Kansani. Mm-hmm. She's really popular on TikTok. And she talks a lot about like, you know, when I joined the modeling scene, she really, that she wanted to be the face of trans models, but she realized she was actually kind of working backwards mm-hmm. because now there's all these white models, yes. white trans models yes. in high fashion. Like there's totally. a ton, yes. but there's literally almost none of color yeah. on the forefront the way she is. And she's like, now I'm realizing it's not about me being the face of representation. I need to like use my voice, my platform to be like, what about all these other girls totally. who are just as deserving, just as beautiful and, you know, literally fit the same mold, but why are they not being on the runway yes, too. Exactly. And so I think it it, might, it just might take a little bit more of that. Um, I don't know if you know who Beauty by Nate is. No. Um, she's like, I think she's she's really well known in the Toronto scene. Okay. Um, but I think she does a really good job of like passing that baton when she can and giving those opportunities to it. like other trans girls of color. Oh, so important. Mm-hmm. So a little bit, I guess, like on that, on that subject though, I guess like how, where do you, I guess like see like the, the intersectionality, I guess, of your, like, I guess your culture and your transness, like, is there, like, has there been an overlap? Like, like culture, like, like my, like, uh, racial culture? Yeah. I don't know. Oh my God. Yeah. I've never been asked that. That's a great question. Um, I think I, I like separate them so drastically. How come? Because in my mind, based off of like, my immediate family is mm-hmm. amazing. Really yes. excited. And again, huge privilege, really accepting, really loving. But like the distant family, like I, I never in a million years imagined them to come around just because like mm. culturally Caribbean people are l- very unlikely to be accepting of LGBTQ people. Yes. And my family's also like super Christian. Mm-hmm. So like I was like, oh, well, there's whatever. There's no way. And so like I checked out of that a long time ago. Like I think when I was like, when I came out as gay alone, I was like, oh, they're never going to accept me. So why would I merge the two worlds? Even though like I'm really proud to be where I'm from and yes. I love my culture so much. Um, I just figured that like that's going to be something I have to rediscover on my own Mm -hmm. and like take pride in on my own without the like significance of my family or the or my or the background I guess totally 
Yeah, I guess it's like how do you like reclaim yeah, your power? Yeah, it was really yeah. Culture. It was more about like reclaiming it. Yeah, because I I don't see it. But luckily, my circle is so heavily Caribbean, which mm-hmm. is my background. I'm from Trinidad and Guyana, so like, and they're all queer. Love so it. like, I've been able to like, it's such a safe space where like we share all the same norms that we had growing up, but mm-hmm. in such a safe space that it, it's like positive and reaffirming. Yeah. I love that because I guess like because too I, I you know I find it so interesting about the Caribbean islands because there's I'm so bad I'm for totally like blanking on the name but there like there was like a third gender like that was oh, a part yeah, of the yeah. Caribbean. I think you know what that, you're talking about. Yeah, it was like more for like intersex people, mm-hmm. but like but there was a term like for it, and it wasn't until like the you know a lot of like the Christian influence and like yeah. the colonization that totally. happened that like sort of like erased a lot of like that like history of it yeah you know so I think it's uh, I think it's it's interesting you know that like the cultures that are you know so extremely against it that like yet have such a like deep history of transness kind yeah, of existing yeah, yeah. Totally. you know I mean we see that time and time again in history like trans people have been around for so long and yeah. it's it really just plays into like I think gender norms and then like mm-hmm. the erasure from colonization totally that like took it away from us of like the acceptance yeah Absolutely. So you said you mentioned earlier that like your family, your media family seems mm-hmm. to be pretty like supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what what was that journey like with them? It's weird because they weren't the most accepting when I came out as like a gay man. OK. Um, But I, when I came out as a girl, I think it because they had seen me gender bending for so yes. long. I think one, it made just made sense. Yeah. But like I had the worst relationship with my brothers. Like okay. we, I moved out at 17 actually because my yeah. older brother was like super emotionally and physically abusive. Oh, He's no. like st- strictly revolving around my uh, sexual orientation. Yes. Um, and my mom was just not the greatest. But when I became his sister, night like caring, loving, protective. So interesting. My mom tr- like treats me like the daughter she's always wanted yeah. or something. Like I don't know. It was just a really... A, like a, a drastic change I do think it helped that I like I didn't transition in front of them mm-hmm. like I, I was moved out from 17 for that reason and then I transitioned and then I went back home I think like a year ago mm-hmm. so they didn't really have to watch me go through it yeah. I just they saw me as their son or their brother and then I came back this girl yes um but I think also like once I moved back home I made it a point to you know and I, I don't want to perpetuate this into anyone because this is something that just worked for me. And it was exhausting and a lot of work. But yeah. I made sure that every time I left my room, I made sure that I presented as a girl so that if they mm-hmm. did misgender me or call me the wrong name, I made it an example out of them. Like, you cannot look at me right now and tell me that you do, you see totally. a boy. Like, you're doing it intentionally to be, you know, negative or mm-hmm. to, to try and prove a point. But like, really look at me and break it down like you you're just being ignorant yeah and so I think that also helped and then my gay mom actually before I moved back in went over to them sat them down all alone without me there which I thought was insane and was like listen she's coming back home and this is a really big part of her don't fuck it up because she'll leave forever again and like it it really means a lot to her that you guys get this right even if you don't believe in it just get it right yeah and I think that helped a lot too yeah it's just crazy but I think that's I think that's a really good piece of advice because I think it like you know, as absolutely exhausting and, and time consuming yeah. as that is, you know, I think it helps to hold them like accountable, yeah, you know, yeah. I think for, for the changes that are, that are happening. And now I'm like even more like before, like I say within the first year or two living there when family would come over and stuff and like if I got misgendered or if they said mm-hmm. the wrong name, like I would let it slide or I'd feel too shy to speak up. Now I'm just at a point where I'm so fed up of it. Like I don't have the time. Like sometimes a family member will be like, Oh, can I just call you Jay instead? And I'm like, no, no, my name's Jasmine. Yeah. If you don't want to call me Jasmine, just don't talk to me. Like, totally. it's okay. We can pretend we don't know each other. Yeah. Like, I'm so far removed. And I think that comes from having such a strong group of friends and community mm-hmm. that respect me all the way through that. It's like, I have no time yeah. for any of that on the personal side. Like, I'm, I'm so fine without it. Wow. And, I, and it sounds like you have like such a great chosen family, mm. you know, and, and a gay mother. Mm. What, I've never heard of like the term like gay mother before. This is actually the first time that I'm that I'm hearing it. So like what 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 does it classify that as? So a gay mother essentially fills the the gaps and the roles and responsibilities that like your biological mother can't do for you because okay. your biological mother maybe didn't know how to raise a queer kid. Yes. So like my gay mother came in and taught me everything I know about sexual health. Yeah. Taught me how to get home safely as a trans girl. Taught me things about transitioning and womanhood that I might not have. She taught me that like 
you know, like while you're developing breasts, it's probably good you wear a bra because it's going to like, you know, give them support. It's like you're 21 going through puberty now. Like it's a bit like it just makes sense. And like really taught me how to navigate the dating world. Mm -hmm. Um, Is your gay mother also like trans or how how does that Tamar is more gender fluid okay cool yeah so kind of does the same sort of drag that I did but still continues to do it okay um yeah so more gender fluid non-binary um yeah so cool Mm -hmm. I I love it and I I think it's a powerful you know like I I feel so grateful that I also have a chosen family and they have just like shown me the love and acceptance that I've always like dreamed of and I think we as humans I think we need to like let go sometimes of like the idea that like just because we're bound by blood that that has to like be the end all and be all to family and I think we have the power to like create a a safe and loving space for ourselves I think it's a super I think it's a magical ability I tell my kids all the time I'm like straight says people don't have this right like when they see us create this real blood-like family bond they're amazed by it because they don't know what that is. That's not a thing. Like, sure, they have friends or whatever, but, like, as queer people, we come together and form these alliances and these communities so deep. And, I like, I think the ability, like, sure, it may be rooted out of trauma and, and, you know, um, neglect, but, like, what we do with it Mm -hmm. is, like, a magical superpower. Totally. And, I like, I don't think it's acknowledged enough, and I I wish we could almost document it because, like, it it happens all around the world. Totally. And, and, like, we have a separate community, but it's still happening in yours, and we still find ways to love on one another, and I think it's just so beautiful. It really is. You said it so perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess now, like, you know, from the modeling and, and the ballroom scene, you're also doing like a ton of work, like in the sexual health, like mental health, harm mm-hmm. reduction sort of sector. Like what led you into this sort of like as a career? Yeah. Um, so when I was 18, just navigating my little gay life, mm-hmm. um, we had, I had no knowledge on anything sexual health related, especially gay sexual health. Totally. So like, thank God I found Tamar who was throwing condoms at me yeah. and was teaching me about SCBBIs and, you know, why it's important to be safe. And like, I... Had nothing, I had no idea what HIV was, no yes. knowledge, didn't even understand why it's such a privilege that I have no idea what HIV mm-hmm. is versus like, you know, 30 years ago when you you would know about it. Totally. Um, and now being a mother to, to ballroom kids and to my own kids and just seeing them also at 18, mm-hmm. having no idea about any STBBIs, no idea what HIV is. No, they weren't on prep when, before they, they're on prep now, but they weren't on prep before they met me and they didn't understand the importance. They didn't know what super gonorrhea was and all these things and like the same fear that Tamar had when mm-hmm. she met me I didn't understand I was like oh whatever it's just an SUV guy yeah and it's like I have the same fear where it's like I just want you guys to have the knowledge to be safe and to make the right decisions that you you can and protect yourself and so I was already doing that in my community and mm-hmm. teaching all these kids like why to be safe but like in a fun way like I'd be like girl if you're gonna have sex have the most sex in the world do yeah. it but like here's 5,000 condoms totally or like why not get on prep? Like, it's just an extra safety blanket. Like, I was yes. never preaching to them. It was just more like a fun conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I got introduced to the team at Canfar and Sex Fluent. And I saw that, like, what they were trying to do is a modernized approach to yes. sexual health, mental health, and gender identity, where it's like, it's not about handing out pamphlets. Youth are not going to read them, no. right? Like, how do we actually reach youth where they are mm-hmm. and, like, make it accessible for them and make it fun and make it relatable? Like, Sex, sex and sexual health and gender identity is far more advanced than what they're teaching in schools. Totally. And so like, how do we actually like sit down and look at like what's online, what's on dating apps and mm-hmm. like, how do we make this applicable to them? Absolutely. And like, it, it is so important because I think that like, they're like, like the, the access to information is there, mm-hmm. you know, with the internet, but it's like, there's so much information and like, not all of it is like, I think like, inclusive and like relatable totally. and it's like it's so it's so hard like trying to navigate finding the right information that yeah. like can can help someone totally. you know like so much of it is like so medicinal yeah, and like yeah you know kind of like rooted for like how doctors would maybe yeah. like say it you know and I, I don't think that like people digest it you know like a hundred percent and I think youth aren't really going to look for it until it happens to them. Totally. So now it's like, and it's like, well, what, we can't do really do much about that. But like, how do we create a resource for them to go to once they decide like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, like I have never been tested. Like, totally. should I go get tested? Like, yeah. how do I create a resource for them to make that like not scary, but also educational? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I've even met other young trans girls who are like, I'm like, yeah, I get tested every three months. Like, oh, I've never been tested. I'm like, 
what? <laughs> Everyone tested once and they're like, totally. yeah, I didn't know that was like important or stuff. And it's like, okay, well, instead of like scaring them and freaking them out, like how do we just have that conversation? Yeah. And like empower them. Empower them. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it, it is, I think it's like our school system like really fails us so much. A thousand you know? percent. And especially with them wanting to remove more and more from like the curriculum. A thousand percent. It's just like, this is the place where we have you know, children that they can learn, you know, yeah, about yeah. it. And we can really like set them up for success. And it's like really trying to like not shame them and like yeah. put them in this sort of like, like you said, like sort of fear and abstinent based like yeah. kind of education. It's just like it's not doing anyone any favors. Yeah. And know? ignoring the evolution of society totally. is so detrimental. Yeah. Because they're they're gonna do what we did, which is like run out of their small towns, totally go to the city, yeah. and do it blindly. Absolutely. And it's, so it's like, why ignore that this has been happening for years and years and years? Totally. And yeah, it's just it's, it's silly. And one of the bigger things that I'm trying to reshift focus on is that it, there's this really great privilege, but also like demise where like youth today don't actually know about HIV or like totally. the importance of it. Yes. And it's like great, we've advanced so much in medication and in science that like you know, these kids are not experiencing it. They don't mm-hmm. know about it because they're less at risk at it. Yes. That's phenomenal. But then the lack of like awareness of history and how we got there is totally. so important for like the fight against stigma. Yes. And so like, it's like, how do I get them to care about it and realize mm-hmm. that like, this is great that you don't have to worry about it. But like, it's also so important that you carry this torch forward. Totally. Because like, this is not like, this isn't even the end of it. We still have so much more to go. So like trying to make it like understanding and and excited about their 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 past and their history and their future, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's like how do you think we engage them? So for for me within ballroom and because I'm so centered around uh, POC youth, mm-hmm. it's it's a bit easier because I'm like so much of our culture and history of, is rooted in the HIV epidemic, yes. right? So it's easy for me to tap in and be like come Vogue with me for a night or something, mm-hmm. right? And lower like, come to this realness workshop or whatever. And then also give a history lesson of like, the fact that we're able to be in this room together is because X, Y, and Z fought this fight for us mm-hmm. and like made these advancements so that like, we don't have to worry about those things. Um, and I think also shows like, I don't know if you ever watched Pose. Yeah, do favorite a f- show. Phenomenal like depiction of what was really going on and why like we have it so good right mm-hmm. now. Like why we're so privileged and why, like, they're not worrying about the same things that they were, you know, totally. in the 1980s. And so those contexts, I think, really make youth resonate with the idea that, wow, like, I have it so good right now. And, like, I want it to get easier for the next generation. And mm-hmm. that's something that I constantly teach is, how do we make it easier for the next version of you? Totally. And I give that context to them. Like, imagine you had X, Y, and Z tools equipped, right? Like, imagine you came out sooner. Imagine you stepped into your gender sooner. Imagine you reach these milestones three mm-hmm. years ago, what more you could accomplish than spending your time on that. Not everyone has their own journey. You can get there whenever you want. Yes. But if we make it easier and easier in society for everybody to get there, think of how much more things we can accomplish. Totally. When the focus isn't just on that. Well, exactly. You know, like I, I spent the last like 10, you know, it was like a 10 years of my life just trying to figure out who I was and go through the, you know, the roller coaster of yeah. what that is, you know, but if I can like skip over a lot of that and go right into like we would have been doing this podcast five years ago exactly you know but like you know a lot of the you know the trauma and the things that I faced you know in my life all came from just the my lack of education you know and my lack of to access of you know resources and 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 help you know so totally yeah it's you know it, it is I think it's really important work that that needs to happen. And I also think from like a marketing perspective too, like, I think that like, I like that, like these sort of companies are like, or, you know, education is sort of like happening. Like, you know, I, I, I love like when I'm watching porn and like a, a thing will come up for prep or like, yeah, for, yeah. or like something about HIV, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. like finding ways to like access, like where, you know, that people are like having to watch 100%. things, but like, you know, like it, on Grinder, when I get a Freddy ad, I'm like, this is amazing. Totally. Like, this makes so much sense. Like, I just, yeah, I think, thank God for like the evolution of like social media and stuff and like taking it in the right direction. Totally. Cause I think it is, I think it is helping to combat a lot of stigma. But, but I think, like, like you said, I think that there still is like a lot of, you know, misinformation. I don't know if I've ever actually shared this with you, but like, you know, like I knew nothing when I was diagnosed with HIV. Like, right. I was. I thought I was going to die. Like really? that's, I was just like, all I knew was the eighties and like that. How long ago was that? Uh, seven years ago. Oh. So it's like, you know, I think it's like, it's interesting, you know, like 
because I was so naive of like, well, okay, well, I'm not sleeping with someone who has sores all over them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get HIV, you know? Yeah. And that was my... Like, I, had, I had the same mindset. Yeah. I, freshly at 18. Totally. And like, I got to see it for it to be there. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and like knew nothing about, you know, chlamydia and gonorrhea. Me and too. like all of these sort of things and like how to properly get tested. And I, I think it's like, it's that's one of the biggest things is like, I think how can we teach youth of like what is proper testing and like making sure that they're getting access to like the the right testing because like for myself like I when I moved to Toronto I moved to the West End so I always went to the same walk-in clinic yeah the walk-in clinic was a never doing rectal swabs even though I was I didn't like, know about swabs either clear. yeah somebody told me about swabs like a year later totally yeah. they were never they would like the only time they would swab my throat is if I had an infection mm-hmm. there, there was like white, like masses in my throat. Yeah. And like, I was peeing, I was always peeing into a cup. Yeah. They were never taking my blood. And then was telling me that I was totally fine. That's insane. Like I literally had been living with HIV for, I don't even know how many years. I never even thought about that. Oh my that God. I never yeah. had, that I didn't have it because I was getting tested and they were telling me that I was fine. Yeah. And in your mind, you're like, I'm doing the right things. Like, yeah, exactly. Like yeah, this yeah. is my, this doctors are telling me how to test you know and yeah you're like and who else am I, I supposed to exactly, trust exactly like I just assumed that that was what I did I peed in a cup and like that was it and that's like why chosen family and stuff is so important because like yeah. who else is going to tell you that like actually understands your lived experience yes. like based off of what we're doing and like the gay sex that we're all having totally. anyways like how to better care for ourselves yes. and that's like I think that's my biggest thing with Sexfluent is really looking at the ecosystem of chosen family mm-hmm. and the importance of it, right? Like the trickle of information that goes through it is so vital because like the doctors are missing points. Totally. Like the cis hat society is missing points on us because they're not the lived experience, but we are will take the word for I'll take the word from you. Yeah. Before I'll take it from the doctors Absolutely. because of that lived experience, totally. right? Like and that's just a fact. Look at like to just say like you thought you could trust that person. Mm-hmm. But so I think just really valuing like the dispersive of the information of what we do is how we can meet people better. Like I learned about HQ. I don't know if you've ever been. No. Gorgeous facility. Okay. Through a community member. And now was kind of, well, the nurses there know me by name now because I yes. go so often. But <clears throat> I recommend everybody I know and they go because of me. I love it. Where and can people find it? HQ is, so it's, it's for gay men, trans folks, it's great gay men and trans folks and non-binary folks. Um, that do rapid um, STBBI testing, yeah. um, as well as next day HIV testing, um, sponsored by Canfor. Yes. Um, they, it's on, I believe it's on College Street. But if you just Google HQ Toronto on Google, you'll find it. I love it. Um, and it's a, an amazing facility. It's gorgeous, brand new. Um, the nurses are super nice. Everyone's really inclusive and gender accepting. And it's all self-testing except for the blood. Love it. So you test, you do all your swabs, you do all your urine yourself. You submit it to the lab and then the nurses take your blood and you get your results typically the next day. And my favorite thing about them is they send you a text and they're like, hey, so-and-so, there's no need to return to the clinic. And they send you syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, da 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 They're like negative, 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 negative. And they offer support. And they email this to you? They text it to they you. They text it to you. Yeah. Because oh, like, you know, back in the day how they're like, oh, we'll call yeah, you if anything's wrong. Totally. It's like, that's not it's reassuring. It's so daunting. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a mental health journey. Yeah. And so I like that. And then they offer like a lot of great assistance if you do test positive for yeah. something and you want like mental help or just a social group and stuff. I also get my prep from there too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did And they help like set you up for that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Although, sorry, it's slightly off topic. But no. when they when I went to get my prep, I didn't eat for the day. Yeah. And they took six vials of blood from me. Oh and I never, like sometimes I go get tested and I never eat beforehand, which you should eat because it's like only like two vials of blood or yeah. whatever. And like I almost fainted and the lady's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I, you just took six <laughs> vials of blood from me. It's a lot. Do you think I'm going to be okay? So if you're going to go get a prep, I just highly recommend that you eat beforehand. Does your, like, do you, like, um, your hormone replacement therapy, does it impact the, like, the, the coverage of what PrEP protects you against at so, all? Because I'm under 25, I get, my PrEP is free because of that. Most of my HRT, my estrogen is not free. No, sorry. I like, in terms of like protecting you against HIV, does oh. it like impact your, like the, the PrEP at all? I don't think so. I've asked okay. that question. They told me no. Um, I've never had any issues. Okay. It's so yeah. interesting. Cause like something I just learned recently that like, you know, for a lot of like, trans men and like yeah. women assigned female at birth that it's like less effective yeah well prep. there and i know because i used to date my ex was a trans man I, I know his prep is different than the one that i'm on okay 
So I, yeah, but I've heard that as well. It yeah. was really interesting. It is. It's, it's like important to, you know, have those conversations. You totally. Know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I, I had no idea and I was like, oh my gosh. You just got your first injection I the did. other day. Yeah, I'm oh on my, my second one now. So. Oh my God, how's that been? It's been interesting. Okay. Like, you know, like it definitely, like every time now that I've gotten the second one, like the second one totally reacted so different than the first one. Really? Like the first one I was like really sore. I could barely sit for like four days, you know? Like Is it like a diabetes needle? Like really? Yes. Yeah. It's like the long one. Oh, really? You, know, you have to go like into your muscle. So. Oh, that's the same one I do for HRT though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's like the, the pretty long one. And then that was fine. Like it was like, whatever, just really sore, you yeah. know? And then. This like the second time I got it, I was like really sore the first day. Then there was like no soreness, and then the soreness came back like four like four days later, but only in one of my hips. So you got it here too. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it's like it, it's just like interesting to kind of like how I feel like every time. Yeah, so it'll yeah, be yeah. interesting now the third time, like how how that goes. Like I'm yeah. curious how my body will like react to it. Like and I'm definitely like pretty tired like for a yeah. couple days like afterwards. I bet. Like I think my body's like trying to Getting process used to it. it. Yeah, yeah. But I think it was really exciting when I got my first like round of blood work back and how like much better my like liver Fire. and kidney functions were really like it he, my doctor was like you've had like ex- like drastic improvements that's amazing from, like having to take the medication every day so i think that that's like a huge win so yeah because i guess you've been taking it now for like over like seven years yeah almost, yeah so see yeah. that's why i switched over to the shop for hrt too because of the yeah. liver thing right you, i'm taking all these pills and so i get it totally do you think do you draw it yourself like no 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 the nurse you go to the, you go to your nurse yeah, okay I, cool <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. I, I've been transitioning for three years. I've never given myself a shot myself. No. So don't like I totally get it. I yeah. I I've I refuse to do it so badly that I'll just I could teach a stranger to do it. Yeah. I'm like, this is how you draw it, this is how you're gonna put it in totally. me, this is what to do, but I refuse to do it myself. Oh my so I totally get it. Ugh. Do you think you'll keep going with the shot? I think so. Yeah. Good. Like I definitely want to try it for a year and like Good. see. Like I think it's it's nice to not like have the daily reminder yeah anymore i'm totally. sure maybe you feel the same way with totally totally like not having to take your hormones you yeah, know yeah, yeah. like it's like because i guess because for you too it's like once a week right once a week yeah but with your shot is it all it's it's you're still doing it once a week yeah right? once a week, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah that's incredible yeah. do they notice like is the research far gone enough that they can tell that if there's a difference in your viral load like does it drop even lower after doing the shot so my first one, it was like basically the same as like what it was with the pills. So yeah. maybe I'll be I'll be curious to see if it does get lower yeah, like after yeah. the second one. So that's so yeah. amazing. No, it is interesting. I love that we were that far in science, man. That's incredible. Totally. I love that. I hope that it keeps keeps going. Yeah, you know? agreed, 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 agreed. I love it. Well, my love, how can people find you and you know follow your journey online? You can find me at, at jasmine.pdf and at sexfluent.ca. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You were amazing. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I had such a good time. Ah, same. <laughs> Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.